In chapter 45, following Yehuda's impassioned speech and Yehuda offering himself to be a slave to the viceroy in order to permit his brother, born from a different wife of their father, uh, to go back to his father. Because the argument of Yehuda is that the two, the father and this boy, Binyamin, Benjamin, are inseparable. In the words of the Torah, Nafsho, Kishurab, and Nafsho, his soul is bound up with his soul. And the very expression, Nafsho, Kishurab, and Nafsho, it's not clear which of the Nafsho refers to whom. That's the inseparability. Their souls are bound together. Uh, one or both will die if separated. And since Judah knows that Joseph, as he has professed, doesn't want anybody to die, but that in effect says Judah that will happen. So therefore, since I committed myself, take me instead. And when Joseph hears this, that Judah, the son of Leah, the other side of the family, has offered himself instead of Benjamin, Joseph's full brother. Chapter 45 tells us, Joseph could not contain himself before all those who stood before him. And he cried out, Remove all people from me, from before me. And no one stood when Joseph made known his identity to his brothers. The verse sounds like if Joseph could have contained himself, he would have. That's one of the interesting questions about the Joseph narrative in general. This, in fact, is the third time that Joseph has cried. He cries when he hears the brothers saying to each other, we are guilty about our brother, we heard his cries. He cries when Benjamin is brought down to Egypt and he sees his brother. There he has to go to a different room and he cries and he comes back out. But here, he's so overwhelmed, he cannot contain himself. And the question that we had raised in an earlier chapter what was Joseph's plan over here? In other words, was Joseph's plan to test the brothers and now that he's tested them and he sees they have repented and in fact Judah's willing to sacrifice himself for his brother Benjamin so Joseph can reveal himself. Or was it a different idea that Joseph wants to part ways with the brothers and he wants for Benjamin to part ways as well. Benjamin is, in a, is a Joseph kind of brother overprotected by his father, the son of Rachel, etc. So this verse, actually, the first verse of chapter 45, if one reads it, he could not contain himself. It sounds like that a part of Joseph wants to contain himself. It doesn't sound like, hey, you passed the test, now I'm going to tell you who I am. One could read the verse differently. He couldn't contain himself before all those standing in front of him. In other words, he doesn't want to reveal his identity, but not in front of all the Egyptians in the court. So those are two potential readings. In point of fact, I would present it the following way, after much thought. And I would say that Joseph, as the Torah presents him, is, from one perspective, an Egyptian. He has, in his own words, forgotten his past. He named his first son Menashe, which means forgetfulness. There's a conscious attempt to forget. He never makes any attempt to contact his family, any of his family. 
because that's in the past. He's a different person. He's a new person. His experience back home in the land of Canaan was very negative. I'm not saying he blames his father or he thinks his father set him up in any conscious way. I don't believe that to be the case. But de facto, in fact, that's what Jacob did by favoring him, giving him the cult, etc. And you can't remember part of the experience and forget a different part. He wants to put his past behind him. On the other hand, when the brothers come down to Egypt and he sees his brothers, this rekindles all the memories of the past, positive and negative, so that when he hears the brothers saying we should not have been indifferent to our brother's cries, he's overtaken. There's a piece of Joseph which connects deeply to the, to the brothers and to the past. And therein lies the two sides of Joseph. <clears throat> the Joseph who speaks harshly to them, who wants to get rid of them, who wants to maybe protect his one brother that he cares about. Um, on the other hand, there's the Joseph who cries. And in fact, the theme of Joseph crying, that is to say, an expression of Joseph's inward state, he's already cried three times in, in conjunction with the brothers. And the last chapter of Genesis, he cries again. When the brothers come to Joseph and say, take us as a slave, and Joseph realizes they suspect that he still bears ill will towards them, and Joseph cries. So there is a consistent theme throughout, and the way the Torah presents it is the two sides of Joseph, the side that wants to forget, and the other side that deeply connects to his brothers, and that's the reason you can read some of the behaviors in two very different ways. Which Joseph are we talking about? Are we talking about the Joseph who names his son Menashe? Are we talking about the Joseph who names his second son Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. There's a recognition that Egypt is also a land of affliction. That's the question in the story. I would make one final comment about Joseph's speech to his brothers where he says to them, I am Joseph, chapter 45. Joseph's speech to the brothers is a lengthy speech. It follows an equally lengthy speech by Judah. Judah's speech is about self-sacrifice, about commitment, about responsibility. And in fact, what Judah does through his speech is reunite the family. Joseph's speech, his long speech in chapter 45, the one that he blurts out, not able to contain himself, I am Joseph, and he draws them near, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold to Egypt. And the continuation of the speech, don't be angry, don't be disconsolate uh, that you sold me here. For after all, says Joseph, God has sent me, not you. But this is part of a divine plan. God has sent me to sustain the family, to keep the family alive, maybe not just the family, but to keep the world alive. Joseph has figured out a way to provide food for Egypt and all the neighboring lands. And Joseph continues with that same theme. God has sent me before, before you to give you a possession in the land, to keep you alive. And then he continues in verse number eight, 
after he says, Lo atem shvachtemoti, you didn't send me, God did. Vayisimeni, and God has made me, av paro, a father figure to Pharaoh, adon l'cho a master of his entire house, umosheo b'chol eretz mitzrayim, and a ruler over the land of Egypt. And here we encounter something very interesting about Joseph. It's reminiscent of the speech he made to Mrs. Potiphar back in chapter 39, when she propositions him. There's none greater than me in the house. I can do whatever they want. Your master has abandoned everything into my hand. And in that speech, as in this speech, there's a greatness to Joseph. There's a Joseph of chapter 39, maintains his values, doesn't give in to Mrs. Potiphar, who represents the broader Egyptian culture. And here too, Joseph reveals himself to his brethren in a magnanimous way. Don't feel bad. It's a divine plan. This is God's plan. God sent me. At the same time, Joseph, uh, when talking about his favorite topic, namely Joseph, uh, has, one would say, in both cases, a uh, view of himself that is not confirmed by the reality. A father to Pharaoh, a master of his house, a ruler over the land in Egypt. The reader will discover, not too long from now, that Joseph may be a very important person in the land of Egypt. But it's not because he's Pharaoh's boss. It's rather because Pharaoh has use for Joseph. And the moment he stops having use for Joseph, we will see what kind of a father figure to Pharaoh Joseph is.